Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you going? I'm good. That's good. I'm sick at the moment, so I'm still battling that freaking cold from last week. I can't oh even. I know, and do you know, you know what, though? I think it could be my own fault because it wasn't like, remember when I was speaking to you last week, I felt fine. It was just like, I already knows. But I just kept doing all my usual activities. I kept going to the gym, kept doing like all my normal stuff, right? And now it's gotten to the point where it's like one thing on top of the other and I'm just struggling. I'm <gasps> maybe it's the flu maybe it's like the full flu. yeah it's so funny because i don't have like aches and pains but i'm definitely like it's all up in my head i feel from like my neck up i'm just like oh i've had enough oh so God. um but yes how are you going yeah i'm good yeah I'm enjoying the weather you probably haven't been out can I tell you, yesterday I just, I did nothing. I sat outside and did nothing. And yeah, today I probably, I think I messaged you. I was still in bed at like 10 o'clock. So <laughs> taking it easy. Um, yeah, I don't really have any news, but I do want to talk to you about um, the latest Brittany um, situation. Oh, yes. So do you remember the actress Taryn Manning? She was in Crossroads with Brittany and she's on um, Orange is the New Black. Do you know that actress? Which one is she out of the two friends? Because I remember the two friends, but I don't know what the actress's the name is. The Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that that girl, she's um also, you know, she has some issues of her own. I don't know if it's drug related or just mental health issues, but she is a bit of a crazy on like Instagram and stuff as well. Yeah. But she posted this post that said, um, like, gone but not forgotten. In other words, she was honouring people that have passed away, like celebrities. And it was people like Michael Jackson, like people like that. And within the slideshow was a picture of Britney. No. Yes. What the heck? Is so, this recent? Recently, yes. And oh, then, God, I have to go look. Yeah. And then um, – People were obviously commenting on it being like, why like, why have you put Britney in there? And she like will not give anything away. Like she's – she kind of like – I don't know how to explain it. Like she, she's stirring or she's like, for real? I don't know. She won't answer anyone about it. Like, you know, she's asking – people are asking whether it's a joke or not and she won't actually say anything. So I am so curious, Lockie. Yeah, you'll have to go and look. But, you know, that was my theory all along, remember? Yes. Yes, I totally remember. Oh, my goodness. That is crazy, especially for someone that sort of knows her. You know what I mean? And the people, like, there's obviously those pages called, like, Free Britney and all this stuff. And Mm. she's also been known to, like, those pages that post about Free Britney. She, like, comments on them and puts, like, yawning emojis and stuff as if, like, like, I don't know really what that really? means. Really? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, like, I don't know how to explain it, but, I, uh, yeah. It's just it's something that's just popped up lately. So. All right. I'm definitely going to have a look. I had no idea about this. Yeah, I did want to ask you a few things, though. One, did you end up listening to True Crimes 
uh, coverage of the Heyman Lee case. Yes, I did. I did. And what, wait, tell me everything. What do you think? Like, oh, okay. So, where do I begin? I think I said to you a while ago, like, I re listened to Serial for the second time. And I remember saying to you, like, I feel different the second time I listened to it. Right? Yeah. Like, That's they're trying to influence feel. you. I, I do feel like, or they're leaving stuff out. Or, yeah. I agree with that. However, one, I don't know why True Crime Garage posted the episodes because it was really not their episode, if that makes sense. Like, they were just talking with that other podcast. So yeah, so this pod, I can't even remember what they're called, which is so bad. I think they do, like, they're, like, attorneys. The prosecutors. Or prosecutors. prosecutors. Or oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, they did bring up some valid points. I'm not going to lie. There were some things I was like, yeah, that makes sense. However, they there was a definitely a lot of larger points that they didn't even address. Like yeah. they didn't address Asia McLean at all, which yeah. obviously because that works against their theory. Like yeah. I just feel like they're trying to be, you know, controversial like on both sides, but yeah. they're actually kind of subconsciously one-sided, I feel. So you know what, right? And this is the thing I am tempted to go because they've done like a full, I don't know how many parts it is, but a little series or mini series on this, on, on like the Heyman Lee case. And yeah. I always love hearing true sides to every story. Like I'm not one of those people that, do you know what I mean, would just believe whatever. I want to hear both sides and then sort of make up my own mind. That's just how I've always been, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to listen to their podcast for that reason. But I found myself rebutting a lot of their things. For instance, like and I get that they talk about like, oh, as if the police are going to be on or it's going to be one big conspiracy that the police are involved with. And they're like, listen here, let's just go after Adnan, he's Hayes. Ex. I don't think that's what happened though. This is no. That's why maybe I'm rebutting it. I think. I don't think at all that's what happened. I think that the police genuinely thought it was Adnan. And, yes, they put things in place, for instance, giving Jay certain information to be able to go ahead and arrest Adnan. Like, that's what I think happened. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I don't think it's like this big, huge conspiracy that they're making out. I believe that at the beginning they thought it was Adnan and they just – obviously overworked and they just slowly kept trying to get evidence to go with that theory. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it was this big like planned out thing. Yes. And I don't think like people had to say like you lie about this or you lie about that. I don't think it was anything like that. So um, I am curious to listen to their podcast just to hear the other side of it, but I don't think my mind's going to be changed. I was really interested when they were saying how um, Don – Don's timesheet, they have a computerized version. Because yeah, I... that's a huge thing. Like, that was his alibi, how he was working at the other store and it was his mum's girlfriend or whatever. And, you know, that was crazy. But then they said that further investigation revealed that that time card was legit and electronic. But yes. I don't. But, I don't, but the, yeah. thing, the thing about that particular from memory, right, is that it's the only time that he had ever worked at another store. And I don't know if you remember, this is again going off like years ago, Bob Ruff, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that he used a different ID number to check in, mm. like a, a number that is not 
attached to him that he'd use. So, I mean, that's something that like I definitely like go back to look into, but I, I did feel myself like getting a bit frustrated with certain things they were saying. So yeah, they're not talking about everything. I don't feel. Yes. But can I tell you, this is something else, which is freaking crazy, which again, it's, uh, I'm I'm quite sure it's on YouTube. I've only seen one episode. It's just sort of dropped. I think they're dropping like a, few episodes i think it's the daily wire right so candace owens is doing this huge like investigation into making a murderer and it's called convicting a murderer yeah and remember when i watched making a murderer i thought i was like i was all for stephen avery right but then slowly like true crime profile came out with all their, like, do you know what I mean, like profiling on Stephen Avery and a little, it pulled me back a little bit. I was like, hang on a sec, what the heck's going on here? So there's little things I've seen over the years that have just made me rethink that. Like I'm definitely not at a 100 or I'm not even at like 70% with Stephen Avery. You know what I mean? So this is something different for me at the moment. So I've just started I'm on episode one. As I said, it's on YouTube. It's called Convicting a Murderer. So that's something I feel like we should watch and talk about. Yeah. I mean, I've always said I thought he was guilty. Really? Yeah. I remember like when it first came out and we were in the office and we were talking about it, you and Danny, and yes. I said that he was guilty and Danny just lost it. She's like, no, lucky hell, like, how can you yeah. think that? But how we'll funny. see. I was, I've, I feel like over the years it's been, I remember once somebody asked me and I was at like, I don't know, I can't even remember what it was, like 87%. It was like a really weird number I just threw out there. But, yeah, as like as I said to you, because of true crime profile, and I do give them like a lot of credit, like I learned so much from them. So after listening to their episodes, I was like a little bit more unsure. And then as the years have gone on and I've heard different things, I'm like, ooh, like what is happening mm. here? And same thing, like – they just play on your emotions so hard making a murderer. And I freaking love his lawyers. Maybe that's another thing. Like, yeah. remember Danny and I went and saw them? And we met yeah. them. We waited at the back and we found them. We met them. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a whole thing. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am really interested in watching that. But it's just interesting that things that we were so into in, like, 2014, 15, and now sort of coming around and, yeah, people are challenging. Yeah, definitely have to watch it for sure. Yes, sorry. And there is, I know this is a massive case. There is two more things I just want to quickly tell you about. One, last week I saw this movie, Sound of Freedom. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So it's not being advertised. It's really weird. They don't have a lot of sessions. Like it only got released maybe three weeks ago. There was like no evening sessions. I literally went on 6 o'clock on a Sunday to watch it. It's ridiculous, right? <laughs> it is crazy. It's all about the way children are trafficked and it's got like some like bits of real footage. It's based on a real story as well. It is crazy. I highly recommend everyone go and see this movie because it's, yeah. At the movies. It's at wow. the movies. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so um, that's one recommendation for our listeners. And another thing that literally just happened this morning, and Lockie, I swear, I, I, you know what, this is the second time this has happened, maybe in the last maybe two years, but I freaked the F out. Has Olive ever done, I freaking Googled it this morning, I forgot what it's called, it's like <laughs> reverse sneezing. Have you ever heard of that? 
I have heard I think of it's it. Called Rev- I don't think she's done it. Oh my god, Victor did it this morning, like six a.m. Got up. I'm already like a mess as it is, right? Get up, and he. It's like he couldn't breathe, and it. It. I can't. I don't know how to explain it. It's like he was trying to breathe through his nose, but he was. He could not breathe. I did not know what to do. Oh, I actually know what to do. I freaked out. Yeah. It's so crazy, and I'm definitely gonna book book a vet appointment. Like from what I saw online, like some people talk that like it happens. It could be like allergies or something, like in his nose passage or something. But it was to the point where he could not breathe, and his eyes were watering. And I'm like, oh, I don't ha- is that that bad that I have no idea what to do in that situation? Yeah, well, I wouldn't know what to do either. I literally I think there's just an app for um, there's an app for like pets. It's like. I mean, we can't call triple zero, obviously, for dogs. But I'm pretty yeah. sure there's an app that works in a similar way where, like, you quickly type in what's happening in they and it helps you through it. Oh, like, like and it does, Really? Yeah, like there's CPR and all different types of things. I can't remember what the app's called, but I know it does exist out there somewhere. Oh, my gosh. I'll have to look that up because I thought originally that he was choking. So I was Googling, like, how to help. Do you even know if a dog's choking or what to do? Because I would have had no idea. No, no idea. Lift their back legs. Really? How interesting is that? Yeah, and then there's like obviously there's like um like other things you, you can and you can actually do CPR on them as well. <laughs> I would have just thought like Heimlich maneuver and just like <laughs> yeah, well no exactly, and that is there's like a point yeah I think in their stomach and at the back of their like back sort of as well that you can hit them, but um yeah, and now I'm like so into like animal first aid. I've got to. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like read up on it because I honestly got so scared this morning. So yeah. Oh, that's scary. But this is my stories for today. Yeah, I don't think I've got anything else. Oh, actually, one more thing. Sorry I, to keep talking, but there's one thing that I did want to talk to you about because it's really funny. So yes. there's this TikTok trend going around at the moment, and it's where um like girlfriends and wives go to their boyfriends or husbands and ask them how many times they would think that they think about the Roman Empire. Have you seen this? No, no idea. It's so funny, right? So all these people, like, think, obviously that's a really random thing to think about. But the trend is that all these people are going to their partners and saying, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And all these men are like, oh, probably a few times a week. Or like, what? At, at least every day. And it's like all these people, like, it's like a weird thing that men think about the Roman Empire. However, I asked Monkey last night, I was like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And he's like, probably never. So, like, you have to ask Tony. You have to go to him after this and be like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire and see what he says? What, this is so – what is that? I'm so bad with history. What is it? like? I think it's like Alexander the Great. Yeah, like Alexander the Great. Oh, like, and like medieval those, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly. Okay. Oh, that but, is um, so funny. Yeah, all right. I totally ask him you'll straight have to after ask this. Him. And, then, and then people on TikTok are asking, well, what's the female version of that? And the female version people have theorized is how often do you think about your ex best friend? Interesting. See, this is really hard because I feel like I don't really like a lot of my friends I've still got, like even from yeah. childhood. Yeah. So that's interesting. But yeah, you should ask him. I want to know what he says. Yeah, I totally will. Yeah. And like Martin I think, and all of them, like just ask yes. random men and see what they say. All right, I'm excited. I'm totally doing it today. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> well, we should get into this week's episode. Yeah. Um, Lockie and I were talking just before we started recording. We're not sure if this is going to be a two-parter. We're, 
in two months. We'll see how we go, but it is a massive case and there is so much to talk about. So let's dive right in. Prosecutors in Los Angeles have released dramatic new evidence in the brutal murder of a Hollywood executive and his wife. As Ron Allen reports, it is only the latest in a case that has been the talk of the town. The brutal murder case of Beverly Hills millionaire entertainment executive Jose Menendez and his wife Kitty was already filled with Hollywood intrigue. Their two sons awaiting trial, charged with killing their parents to collect a $14 million inheritance. Now the case has taken another dramatic turn, with the release of a tape recording made when the brothers phoned the police emergency line last August. Lyle, 22, says he and brother Eric, 19, have just found their parents' bodies in the family TV room. What's the problem? I'm trying to kill my parents. Pardon me? The brothers have said they were at the movies when the shootings happened. At first, police thought it was a mafia hit over an entertainment deal gone sour. But then evidence, including a movie script about a kid who kills his rich parents, and records showing the elder Menendez may have changed his will, pointed at the brothers. What happened? Who shot who? I don't know. He came home and found who shot. When the case goes to trial, a jury will have to decide if the Menendez brothers were truly filled with grief or acting out the cover-up of murder. Ron Allen, CBS News, Los Angeles. That's it for now. Back to Harry and Paula. So this week, we will be discussing the Menendez family. I feel like... I'm not going to structure this episode like a whodunit because I'm sure everyone knows this case. It is so famous. Um, If for some reason you happen to have no idea what the heck I'm talking about, Lyle (laughs) and Eric Menendez were wealthy and privileged brothers that killed their parents, Jose and Kitty Menendez, on August 20th, 1989. And this was like the OJ before OJ. Yes. You know, like this was because they were really rich. It was high, like in the media everywhere. Like it was huge. It was massive. Well, the first trial was highly publicized. It was being televised in full on court TV. Mm It was like a channel showing the whole thing. And I need to tell you this week I've watched not like I would love to just sit and watch the whole thing, which I haven't, but I have been watching quite a bit of like whatever – like whenever I've had time, I've just popped, for instance, like Lyle's testimony or, you know, like on and I'll just like fold laundry and listen to it. It is so interesting. Like I can't get over the amount of information, obviously, that's in the case, which makes sense because I know, I mean, the trial itself, obviously, you need to have all the information, but that it's available to the public. I think that's what I'm just like, wow, we can yeah. totally go and listen to this whole thing if we wanted to. So until recently, Lockie, I thought I knew this story. Like, you know, you just hear it or you read stuff on the news. Like, I never had really looked into it, and I literally thought it was two spoiled brothers who killed their parents for money. Hmm. Like, what did you think? The same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I, dying to know what you think at the end. Wow. All right, perfect. So, like, so you have you been obviously, like, researching it this week? A little bit. Have I you seen it? Any- we'll- I think we will disagree. 
this is definitely going to be a two-parter. Anyway, let's, let's go through it and we'll talk about it at the end. All right, cool. So I'm going to start at the very start. So Jose Menendez was born on May 6th, 1944 in Cuba and immigrated to the U.S. alone in 1960 when he was just 16. And this was after that Fidel Castro overthrew the yeah the government and seized the property of the wealthy and middle class, and this resulted in his family losing a lot of their wealth. Mm-hmm. Jose came from a well-known athletic family. His father was a renowned soccer player, and his mother was a famous swimmer. He met his future wife, Mary Louise Anderson, nicknamed Kitty, while attending Southern Illinois University. Kitty was a few years older than Jose, born on October 14th, 1941, and was a former beauty queen who dreamed of becoming an actress. So both their families did not approve of the relationship. Kitty's family, because Jose was Cuban, and Jose's family because Kitty's parents were divorced. That did not stop them eloping in 1964 and then moving to New York. So Kitty worked as an ele- as an elementary school teacher while Jose climbed the corporate ladder with his accounting degree, eventually becoming an executive for RCA Records. And, like, their wealth was just oh my gosh yeah and do you know what like yeah exactly and it was like i think it was 14 million dollar dollars as in like their what's it called like what is it like yeah their estate that's it yeah yeah yeah. Mm. um but he did this from scratch remember jose came alone to the u.s without like do you know what i mean like a lot of money he was only 16 so he built Literally, like you said, this empire from the ground up. Yeah. So Jose helped sign big names like the Arithmetics, Duran Duran, and Menudo. Now, do you know much about this Menudo band? No. Okay, so we're going to get into them a little bit. Well, we're not really getting into the band, but there is something I want to tell you at the very end of the episode. Don't worry, everyone. I wrote a note, so I will not forget to tell you. <laughs> um, so this was actually a boy band. And this is where Ricky Martin got his big break, like from this band. In a a band? Yes, but this band, right? So apparently, they only wanted young boys. So it was sort of like a revolving door. So as soon as you hit like sixteen, you were kicked out of the band, and a new boy would be brought in. It's like effed up. How effed up is that? So it wanted to be like a youth. They wanted the band to be always youthful. It's crazy when you think about it, yeah. And apparently Ricky Martin was so popular they let him stay, like, past 16. Yeah. Wow, lucky. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So despite his intelligence and success, Jose was widely disliked for being arrogant and rude to his co-workers. It's also mentioned heaps that he didn't really have many friends like jose did it yeah yeah i think people just you know f- were fearful of him like that's just he was his presence yeah 
So Kitty became a stay-at-home mum after giving birth to their first son, Joseph Lyle Menendez, on January 10th, 1968. Eric Galen Menendez was born two years later on November 27th, 1970. The boys lived a lavish lifestyle. They moved around a bit growing up in New York and in New Jersey. In their teens, they lived in Princeton, New Jersey. People in their area had money but weren't flashy. However, Jose loved to show off his wealth and would send the boys to school in a limousine. That's just so psychologically wrong for those boys. (laughs) How crazy is that? Yeah. So Jose was stern and demanding. He thought of the boys as his, like, protégés. Like, I think he sort of was also living through them. Yeah. He made them pick a single-person sport and expected them to excel in it. Because remember, he came from, like, a really athletic family and he also was quite athletic. So the boys swam competitively and they played tennis. And can I just tell you, I don't know, what do you feel about him saying that they had to pick a single person sport? Because yeah, he thought like, the, yeah, and also it's it, it, he, he didn't want them to have a close group of friends or anything like that. Or he wanted it to, just to be on them, whether they win or lose. You know what I mean? Because obviously you can't punish like a whole team if they yeah. lose. Whereas this way, it's literally up to the individual. Yeah. So he hired them a private tennis coach and there was so much pressure on them to do well. There are reports that he made them play while they were injured and would severely punish them when they didn't perform well. Oh, that's sad. It is. And Eric was actually ranked 44th in the US. So like, I'm guessing it was like under 18s or whatever, but I feel like he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. Now, Jose would even hold the boys' heads underwater at the lap pools, claiming it would help their lungs adjust to taking less breaths so they'd be able to swim quicker. Yeah, it's like abuse. Yeah, it is. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. So Kitty and Jose were obsessed with appearances and would do Lyle and Eric's homework and projects to make sure they were perfect like they were all about it and I mean there is a bit of talk about how the boys had like learning problems and stuff like that but even like let's just say they were at a party or something like Kitty would always be like oh my boys are like you know a plus students or whatever and imagine hearing that and you know you're like struggling to even pass your class yeah So Jose's job moved the family from New Jersey to L.A. They spent some time in Calabasas, but at the time of their murders, they lived in Beverly Hills in a mansion once owned by Elton John. (laughs) I know. The money. I know. Jose had become the president of like CEO of live entertainment. And I think like an offshoot of this live entertainment was car. I can't even pronounce this color co pictures. Yeah. Um, so he did a lot of work with this color co pictures also. 
by this time, Jose was a self-made millionaire. From the outside looking in, it seemed like the Menendez family had it all, but nothing was as it seemed. Mm-hmm. So Jose was unfaith- unfaithful, having multiple affairs, I think even with like co-workers, prostitutes, so like, and you know what? That one of his affairs lasted, I think, years. It was either in between six to eight years. He was having an affair with this one lady. Oh, my God. I know. So Kitty struggled to deal with his string of mistresses and other issues, which we'll get into shortly. Kitty started drinking and taking prescription pills to cope. In 1987, Kitty attempted suicide by overdosing on sleeping pills. So she's obviously dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. And at trial, you do find out, like, the way that Jose even treated Kitty, like, he would, do you know what I mean? Like, he was very abusive towards her also. And the boys talk about sometimes that Kitty would put, like, the blame on them, even if she had done something wrong just so she wouldn't be the one, do you know what I mean, that was hurt. It would end up being her sons. Yeah. So when the family lived in Calabasas, the boys got caught burglarizing neighbors' homes for fun. Jose went to the neighbors and offered to pay them back in full, plus extra, if they didn't press charges. By, we can tell you something. No, it's just like, how are they ever going to learn a lesson? I just don't get it. Yeah, exactly. By then, I think the police were involved because I think this was like over $100,000 in in like money and jewels that they'd taken. So Jose hired a lawyer and decided that Eric would take the full fall as he was underage and there wouldn't be as many consequences as there would be for Lyle. I know. So he took the fall for all these burglaries. So both boys were sent to a psychologist arranged by Jose. And I think that this was actually, this particular guy that they were sent to was recommended by Kitty's psychologist. So it's sort of like they're all sort of connected. And I think that's important. I'll tell you why later on. Yeah. Um, so the fa- like the parents had access to all their sessions. It's been reported that Jose was more angry that the boys got caught than about the crime itself. He felt like his sons were like, like dumb, like so they were just failing at life, like they were sort of losers. Yeah. Jose had paid $50,000 to get Lyle into Princetown as his grades weren't up to scratch. Even though he was accepted thanks to Jose's donation, Lyle was still struggling academically and got caught caught plagiarizing. Jose, of course. They used to do his homework. I know. (laughs) But you know what the thing is, right? So I don't think that even Lyle or Jose thought this was going to be a big deal, but this is like an Ivy League school. They mm. have strict rules, you know, and he ended up being suspended until 1988. So he was, I think it's like for a year, even though Jose had a big meeting to sort of 
make sure he wasn't expelled. I'm guessing he must have offered money. Who knows what, right? But he was suspended in the end. Yeah. And I feel like this, again, is just sort of like so common. Like Jose just uses money to sort of get what he wants. And there's reports about how he paid off multiple of Lyle's girlfriends to, yeah. so he they wouldn't see him anymore. Um, I think one in particular, he sponsored her to go play tennis overseas in Europe. And another one, he – paid to get an abortion because she had actually fallen pregnant. Oh, my God. To Lyle. I know. I know. The time leading up to the murders was tense. Both parents had openly threatened to take the boys out of their wheels. And at this stage, sorry, I, I was just listening. Um, It must have been just uh, obviously after I've written my notes. But I was listen, listening to Eric on the stand, right? And he was saying he actually gave the month of the year before. I think it was like May the, the year before. He actually thought that he had already been taken out of the will. Yeah. Because okay. that's what his parents had told them. And this is evident because when the parents are murdered, and I think one of the aunties goes to speak with him and says, like, all right, you're going to inherit this, this, and this, or, like, you'll be okay to still attend university because, um, you know, you've got, you're covered with money, blah, blah, blah. And the boys are like, no, like, we might have to ask our grandma for the money because we're not in the wills anymore. This is, like, just after they were murdered when they're obviously trying to arrange the estate. So I think that is yeah. really important, especially for you, Lockie, for later. I'm putting that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, as I said, both parents had openly threatened to take the boys out of their wills. Eric had been accepted at UCLA, and he was really excited to move out of the family home. This was until Jose told him that he could attend the classes there, but he would have to stay, like sleep at the family home. He had made, as in Jose had made some special arrangement with the college, which I'm sure included some sort of donation, right? Claiming that Eric needed to be monitored and that he'd be staying at home. It's just like, what what does the dad want? Like, what does he want from them? Like, you know, he got into college. Like, that that's great. You know, like, that's not good enough. Well, we're going to find out really soon that Eric was being abused by Jose, like sexually abused. And I guess for th- at this stage, this is probably Eric's light at the end of the tunnel. Remember, Lyle's moved to New Jersey. He's attending college. So he's probably just thinking, I just need to make it to college. I think that's what Eric's thinking at this stage, right? So he is devastated. He's absolutely devastated. Lyle was allowed to move out to New Jersey Mm -hmm. on his own. Yeah. But Eric wasn't. Okay. Yes. But in saying that, so, and and we we can get into like a bit more of the details later, but um, Lyle was only sexually abused by his father until he was about eight. Whereas this abuse with Eric was still happening while he was like 18. God. I know. Around this time, Lyle was visiting home and got into a fight with Kitty. Now, 
there was massive, like he was having, Lyle was having massive problems at Princeton. Uh, there was, I think that they had done like damage to property. I think they had even done like something like, again, damage some grass on a golf course. Like there's all this damage, right? His grades were doing, like he wasn't doing well with his grades and he'd lost his license. Like his license had been suspended in New Jersey. So he didn't have a license. So I'm guessing there was just a lot building when he'd come to visit. Do you know what I mean? Over this, I think it was like spring holidays or something like that, right? Yeah. Now, this fight was so intense that Kitty tore the toupee off his head. Couldn't help but laugh at this. I know. Because I can I you know what? How sad is this to think he's only like twenty one. Yeah. He's wearing a toupee. Probably stressed. And <laughs> yes. And apparently like Jose had actually not made him wear it. Like well, pretty much the parents had obviously they didn't want like a bald son. They'd organized for him to wear a toupee. And the craziest thing of all is right. Eric happened to see this fight and he didn't even know that Lyle wore a toupee. He didn't know he was bald, his own brother. Oh. Yes. So imagine the secrets that are just taking place in this house. The boys spoke later that day and Eric told Lyle not to be embarrassed. At some point, their conversation changed and Eric told Lyle that their dad had been sexually abusing him. Lyle was shocked. Jose, as I said, had sexually abused him up until he was about eight, but he had no idea that Eric was also a victim and that this abuse was still happening. And do you know, like, they've spoken about it because I'm quite sure, like, Lyle was a little bit angry. Like, why would you let him do this? Like, do you like it? Is that why? So he was like, obviously, he's trying to process what the heck. He's yeah. just heard. But in saying that, I think that Lyle may have been sus when they were younger, like early teens, because there's another story that Eric tells on the stand about how he was punished by the father, like by Jose, for telling Lyle about what, you know, like what he was doing. But Eric's like, I never told him, like, I had no idea why I was being pu- punished for this, but somehow Lyle knew because he'd keep asking Eric certain questions like, oh, is anything weird going on with dad? Like he was always asking him certain questions. So obviously Lyle had a feeling something was going on and then must have approached the dad about it and Eric's gotten in trouble. And Eric talks about at that time he always denied it. He's like, no, nothing's going on because he knew the consequences. Okay. And sorry, it was also around this time I'm quite sure that the like Jose would make Eric sit in front of the mirror and say like what happens if you tell someone and I think the first time he said like I'll be punished or something he goes no like I'll kill you oh my god so th- this was like you know what I mean so this is after the dad must have thought that he had told Lyle but um Eric swears he told him nothing At this time, though, so obviously now this is like years later, he's a teen, Lyle's like early 20s. So Eric tells Lyle that he could not take it anymore. Remember, in his mind, he's counting down 
to escaping the family home and it's just been ripped away from him. Yeah. So Eric didn't think that his mother knew about the abuse. And I think originally the boys were thinking maybe the three of them could leave together, as in Eric um, with Lyle and Kitty. And also, so remember I was telling you that, uh, sorry, Lyle was having a lot of problems in college. Jose had just recently purchased a condo for Lyle like close to his college. So he's thinking like I can take them back there with me. Like it's not they won't be staying at the college that he's got like a condo there. Yeah. Lyle confronted Jose the following day and Jose was furious that Eric had told him. And I feel like he'd actually said like some a few th- like threatening sort of remarks like sort of like Eric's made his own bed or something like that right yeah it was at this time he also discovered that his mother was aware of the abuse so Eric finds out around this time that his mum knew the whole time and she says something to him like what do you think I'm stupid like of course I knew and she tells the boys like or she believed that the boys had sort of ruined her life and Kitty was did come from an abusive household and she tells them, like, no one came to help me when I was growing up. My God. I know. Just so cycle, o- isn't it? I know. It is. It really is. So on August 18th, 1989, the brothers went to San Diego and purchased two shotguns using a stolen ID. It was sort of stolen, left behind. So Lyle's friend had left behind his ID in the college, like, dorm room when he had left, and Lyle must have taken it. So a bit of both, really. Uh, They spent the next evening with their parents shark fishing. Jose had chartered a boat. Witnesses say that the the atmosphere on the boat was just really off, like they weren't behaving like a regular family. Lyle and Eric were like huddled at the very front of the boat, even though it was like the rockiest part of the boat and they were getting hit by waves. And like Jose and Kitty were sort of like on the other side of the boat. At trial, it is re- uh, revealed that the boys were scared for their lives during this outing. I think yeah. they had it in their heads, yeah, that their parents might throw them overboard or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the next evening on August 20th, 1989, the brothers entered the family den where Jose and Kitty were watching James Bond and fired 15 shots assassinating their parents. Lyle shot Jose in the back of the head, which essentially decapitated him. Mm-hmm. Kitty attempted to make an escape but slipped in her own blood. Eric hit her in the arm, leg, and chest. The fatal blow came from Lyle, who had to run back to his car to reload. And it was like this shot was close range and to the side of her cheek, which literally blasted her eye and nose, like away. I know. After the murders, the brothers sat and waited for police to arrive, thinking someone would have reporting, 
sorry, someone would have reported hearing shots in the middle of Beverly Hills on a Sunday night, but they never came. So they came up with a plan instead. They shot their parents in the knees to make it look like it was a mob hit. They changed their clothes and left the home. They ditched their guns on Mulholland Drive behind some bushes and then went to the movies hoping to get an alibi. They do talk about, though, that because of obviously the timing, like the date stamp on their tickets, it's probably wasn't going to work. But they're like, let's – so they obviously took the tickets and that was it. They didn't sit and watch the movie. Yeah. They then try to convince some friends to meet them at the family home before meeting at the Cheesecake Factory. But this particular friend refused to, so instead they went home to, um, let's put it in those bunny ears, discover that their parents had been murdered. So Lyle calls 911, and we're going to play the 911 call for you. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? I'm sorry, kill my parents. Pardon me? What? Who? Are they still there? Yeah. The people? No, no, no. Were they shot? Hey, man, they were. Uh, Were they shot? Yes. They were shot? Yes. Thinking, Lockie, this is the perfect place to leave it for today. What do you think? Yes, definitely. We've got a lot we, more to talk about. We have so much to talk about. So uh, this will be a two-parter and we will be discussing uh, the rest of the case and the trial next week. So yes. thank you for listening. Um, before we go, I just wanted to mention to everyone that the website is up and running. We have some new merch on there and we're currently taking pre-orders for merch to be dispatched in October. So if you're interested in getting the first round of merch, there's a few more weeks left in September for you to order. If you also wanted to support the podcast, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash caffeine crime and canines or leave us a five-star review. Um, if you have any requests of episodes you want us to cover, you can send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Caffeine Crime and Canines or head to our website and leave a request in the request box. Yes, and even if you want to just talk about cases, always our DMs are always open. So um, yep. reach out through there also. Yep, and until next week. 
Until next week. Bye. Bye.